Have you ever found yourself grinding through a pretty tough section of trail only to see a runner come blazing by you with a giant smile on his face and some friendly words of encouragement? If you were in Rochester, that runner was probably Phil Nesbitt, winner of almost all of our local trail races and an important piece in getting both many on the Jenny and many light off the ground. Phil joins us today to share his unique journey, what he does to get so fast, how long he thinks he can keep it up as a dad to two young girls, and why he thinks smiling is making him faster. Tune in and give a listen to our local elite. All right, we're here. We're live. We've got um, our really good friend and godfather to the babies, Phil Nesbitt, and maybe we'll luck out today because... Phil is here, and maybe the babies won't be as uh, loud as they were last episode. And um, Freya, his daughter Freya, is with us today, too, so maybe she'll keep them entertained. She's on baby watch. Yeah. So, Phil, welcome. We're glad to have you. Thanks for having me. So we have a million things we want to talk about. Um, I mentioned the episode title, and you laughed and said, well, that's not very true. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't say I'm an elite, but I appreciate the sentiment. Well, see, I didn't call you an elite. I called you a local elite. <laughs> <laughs> distinguish and i do actually want to at some point get to that during the episode but you know when it comes down to it there there's not too many trail races in the in this area that you've entered that you either haven't won or had a chance to win yeah i feel fortunate for that for sure so um i guess really we could i want to jump right in and tell the story of how we met phil <laughs> so um i think it was year one of zero spf first one first official one yep and the course is hard. There's a lot of climbs. It's in July with heat, humidity. And it's trail. Um, yeah, yeah, it's trail. And um, we had anticipated somebody finishing, you know, in the, maybe in like the two-hour range, maybe a little bit over that, um, based on all the preview runs that we had done. And it was like an hour and 35 minutes or so, and this woman is like pacing at the finish line, and she comes over and she says, do you know where the runners are? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm like probably like 30 or 40 minutes away for the first runner. And I'm like, and some of them are barely at the halfway point. And she's like, well, my husband is real fast. He should be back by now. <laughs> and I said, well, who's your husband? And she said, Phil Nesbitt. And um, I was like, I don't think anybody's going to be back. And then, you know, at like 145, she checked in. At 150, she checked in. At 155, she's like, is everything okay out there? Yeah. And I was like, everything's fine. I'm like, it's just a really hard course. And then a few minutes later, I think you were, that year, you were just over two hours. I was 152, One, it looks. Oh, okay. Oh. oh, so I was wrong on my timing of the story. But yeah, yeah. so she was pacing and nervous. And um, But I guess maybe that first time experiencing that sort of trail pace instead of your road pace. Yeah, so I came from like the road background and had just gotten into trail running. And it was, it's on, it was my fault. Cause she's like, well, how long do you think it'll take? So I took my road time and i figured it'd add like 10 minutes so i was like oh, like an hour and a half roughly you know it would take a little and i didn't realize one that trail races are not the distance that they say they are they're usually a lot longer or shorter ish ish it's always an ish and i i just i didn't know the area or like what to expect so yeah when she was she got like an hour and a half from me so then from there i could see her i could imagine she's getting nervous and the whole time i'm looking at my watch i'm thinking like she's gonna be wondering where i am and uh and then when i finished and found out that she was concerned and asking you i thought it was i definitely thought it was uh cute so yeah yeah so that was it was good it was a good experience at that distance and again it was kind of my foray into trail running 
So. So we can claim status on introducing Phil to the trail world. Yes, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that was like a, my first very proper trail run. Yeah, that it's a great race too. Um, it's not all out and back because there's one little spot that's different on the way back. But zero SPF is a really cool race. So. It's very um, challenging. Yeah. Um, and it's like. You just wouldn't anticipate there being trails there. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, right behind Route 96, if you're from Rochester. Yeah. Like, the mall is right across the street from where the trail is. It's, yep. I just, the first time that I ever was on those trails, I was like, oh, there's, like, Yeah, it even actually cuts legit. right through a neighborhood two different times where yeah. you come out and cross the street, and you're like, you're just, like, someone's house. Yeah. You're literally between two houses. And you cross the street between two other houses and back in you go. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that was that was my first time on the Crescent Trail or any of those that trail system, and that was that was like the biggest shock for me because yeah. I'm looking around and like, where is there even a trail? Right. And then within a half mile, you forget that you're in civilization because it's. It, you know, feels, it's, it feels pretty remote. Yeah. It does feel pretty but it's remote. It's not. It's not at all. Yeah. No, and going yeah you know, going up Woodcliff and all that stuff is it's, it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah. The views and everything. It's a really nice trail, especially for where it is. Mm-hmm. So well, that was when I lived in Fairport, and it was nice because I think if if I remember correctly, I think I rode my bike to it yes. and then ran it because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't far. But then, uh, you know, then I then I had to ride home. But people saw where I read. I always had Churchville as my place for uh, a registration. Place. Uh, so people were like, oh, he ran this race and then rode back to Churchville. No, just just fair. Um, Beth Barise one year rode yeah. all the way down to High Tour up that huge hill to the start and then ran Muddy Sneaker. That's cool. Yeah. That was a big ride i remember we were driving we were up the driving. hill to the start and she's going up this hill and it is i was it's like a i hill. don't think our car's gonna make it and then all of a sudden we're i'm like look at this person on a bike and i'm yeah. like oh god we know that person yeah. oh she's racing <laughs> yeah that's one of the few local races you haven't done yet no it's on so my you list haven't done sneaker? uh no and oh. eric was gonna ask later like bucket list ones oh, that yeah. i just saw more too and like for whatever reason, every year I mean to do it, and something's happening or going on. Or, well, let's you know. get you on the list this year. That's going to be my goal to come finally run again. Yeah. So let's great. do it this year. Sounds good. So let's talk a little bit about um, what got you into running. Because I know as as we were hanging out before, Sheila and you were talking, because the um, Section 5 championships were this weekend in the park that you work at down in Letchworth. And you had mentioned you didn't run in high school and you didn't run in college. So what got you into it? So I was working at Pontos at the time, which is a pizzeria. It was out in Churchville. And the guy that works there is just, he's just the, like, salt of the earth guy, um, real hard worker, and always been super fit. And he's, he was always a weightlifter, but he decided at around 40 to get into running. And so he started running and doing, like, 5Ks and stuff. And I'm thinking, because I was pretty young at the time, so I'm thinking, if, if this guy can do it, you know, he's like a, like a dad to me, so he's doing it. <laughs> I got to start doing it. And he was, uh, he's always been really supportive and pushing me towards, you know, just to better myself and do different things. So he was, you know, kind of the person that introduced me to it and took some of that fear of doing it away. Because once I saw that it's, I don't know, running was always very intimidating. Because most people, when they go to run, right, it's like they, they run, they sprint. So, yeah. and I always have to clarify that. People are like, oh, you, you run marathons. That must be really hard. It's, but you're just going slower. Like, the longer <laughs> you go, the slower you go. So it's not like you're sprinting out for the whole 26 miles. I mean, so, I, so, your pace for some people <laughs> would be considered sprinting. Yes. Well, but yeah, I don't you're, know. I know but what you're saying. Like, yeah. it's not your... Because yeah. the longer you go, the slower you go? Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, generally speaking, that's how, how you do it. So, yeah. So, yeah that's how I am in the bedroom. Oh. <laughs> well, now we have to put a content yeah. warning on this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. No, I just started with uh, my brother and I would, like, go run. We marked out a mile and we would just get to the point where we could run a mile and then just go a little further. And then I went... My first 5K was the 10 Ugly Men in like oh, 2006 okay. so yeah that was 
Yeah, so I guess what got me into it was my my old boss. I still run with him almost every week. Yeah. yeah, I see him all the time. He does That's the trail cool. races too. So he's uh he's definitely been a good inspiration for me. So yeah. That's cool. Has he done our races? Do we know? He's him? done. We have he, to get him on our. our yeah, stuff. he he would because so he's done a bunch of trail stuff and he's done some a bunch of some ultras, but he's uh, definitely favors the roads. But he would do. He's I mean he's done Sega Honda a bunch of times. He would definitely do some of the. I don't. I've tried talking him into many, and it's on his list to do. So oh. we'll get him out to many. He didn't like years. some of the names of the races yeah. you just dropped. <laughs> he's like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so you did zero SPF as your first trail half marathon ish. Yes. What was the furthest you had run on roads at that point? Have I you had done a marathon. I had done a marathon previously. Okay. Um, so yeah, I done the, done the, and I can't remember if I actually uh, take a look. I can't remember if I had done Can Lake prior. But, we gonna, when uh, are we gonna pull up our ultra sign up for results? Yes, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> um, so that yeah, it was it had some familiarity with it, but definitely it the the trail thing was new. And yeah. then like once I did it, just like most people, once I did it, I was hooked. Just the different scenery, so much more engaging. Yeah. And and it just feels more primal too. Like it feels like what you should be doing. Yeah. You feel like you're Get hunting out there. Yes. I think there is actually like a decent amount of research to that um not just running but just being in the woods like we, we previously talked about it something called forest bathing mm-hmm. which is like a funny term but it's really just you know kind of leaving your technology and just being in the woods and they have been able to measure what that does to like people's brain waves and to their um like their perceived level of stress and getting into the woods versus running on the road it changes everything you could be pretty stressful running on the roads like cars zipping by you and like people all over the place and it's different in the woods yeah so. it, it makes sense though like we, we evolved to be outside and right. to be in nature so all these built environments that we exist in it's just it's nice to have a break from that yeah, yeah it's november 5th sunny and warm and we're inside talking about a podcast yeah I know. <laughs> talking about being outside yeah we should be outside <laughs> yeah so that's funny so how did you guys and i actually don't know this how did you guys end up becoming close friends uh, begrudgingly, I would say. Begrudgingly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, so after zero SPF, did I? I just started seeing you at the races. Is that yeah, and came? then I snagged your number like a like a fangirl. Yeah. I like, can I get can I get your number? Yeah. Well, because I would I would text people that I really enjoyed coming to our races and be like, dude, you got to do this one next, or you got to you got to come to this one, and then we just started talking. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging very, out. Very organic, and now it's it's weird. It's like a lot of the closest people I have in my life are from either running or, or tangential to that. So like yeah. you guys are, it's crazy. I don't know. You know, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Godfather to the kids. Yep. These beautiful boys. <laughs> oh. But um, I think <laughs> as we, as we started, as we started to design many on the Jenny, so we went down and hiked it out and mapped it out. Um, but you, Phil, you work in the park yes. as a sergeant now for the New York State Parks Police. And back then we were like, hey, we need some help with contact information. Like, how do we need to do these certain things? Uh, we were we had, we had required to have a safety plan. So you and I had to work together on like, what do they mean by safety plan? Because that's different from any of our other races. Because yeah. Many on the Jenny was the biggest race we'd done at the time and really got into some remote sections of the park. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the crux of it is that we really started talking a lot during Many on the Jenny. And yeah. then we were down in the park, and we would see you while you were working, and like you would, you know, help out with different aspects of the course. Um, 
and even like for many light and then the new trail that we built for that race and for many on the jenny you actually marked it out with us for the very first time that we didn't we knew where we wanted to go but we didn't know what we wanted so you came with us and we hiked it out yeah so yeah it was cool to be yeah it was definitely nice to be part of that i mean you give me more credit than i do i don't think i did any of those things i just i know um but it was really nice to uh really nice to be involved and see some of that process. So I always, I have an appreciation for what it is that you do and what the other race directors do, but I don't think people understand how much goes into it. So like, that's a, that's a kind of a good generalization, but there's so much nuance to all of that. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm, um, I appreciate you saying that I'm actually doing an interview today with, um, there's a, a high school student who's doing a senior project and she wants to put on a race to raise money. And so one of the aspects of her senior project is, um, talking with somebody, in that field and getting all the details and so she sent me this long email about like you know her dad runs with us so she she's like you know um i think a lot more goes into it than most people know and i need to know what those things are so we're i'm going to be chatting with her at three o'clock today oh, cool. about like all the stuff that goes yeah. into it and we've talked about maybe actually having a, a, a podcast episode that like lays that out for folks like mm-hmm. here's what goes in from from conception to finish line to results to money like what does it look like yeah so i definitely I think it'd be helpful for people to know yeah. and maybe it would make it so they're a little more appreciative because you get those people not you know i we all get in that heat of the moment where like something's going on in the race and there wasn't something there that you thought should be there or maybe the right. turn's not exactly <laughs> marked the way you want yeah. but you know you're all basically doing this especially you you're doing it and you're not really getting anything financially out of it so that they got to remember that, that you're putting a lot of time and effort into this yeah. for their benefit not necessarily for your own we did after the first year of many on the jenny we wrote a post it was just we called it like a transparency post and we literally put all of the finances of the race right out there for everybody to see because i think there's a misconception into how much you can make and how much you do make yeah. um and then there's it shows the difference between how a corporate entity and a for-profit would treat a race versus how we would right, right. so like you know what, where did that money go? How much came in? What was exactly was it spent on? What do things cost? People might ha- not have any idea what it costs to feed 400 people, uh, you know, chili and drinks. Yeah. They might think, oh, like a dollar a person, but that's not accurate, right? Yeah. So, like, w- putting that out. We might do it again for um, Trails Rock for next year. We might, like, just put the finances back out there again. Mm-hmm. Our overall finances are always on because we're a, a nonprofit. So anybody can look up our 990 forms and see yeah. our, our income, but... Um, I think it's really helpful to put it out there and let people see it. Um, you know, since the, the parks police are always one of our biggest, biggest yeah, expenses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually not on that list. Cause yeah. I'm usually but that, that's yeah. an example of something that people wouldn't think of, yeah. right? Is like, so if you've got many on the Jenny running for 14 hours and you have a police officer for 14 or however that works out, yeah. that you're paying for a service for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it's not cheap and it's not free and you know yeah we have you know the emts that you have to pay for and that's a long day for them too right so a 14 hour shift for an emt yeah you know (laughs) yeah no absolutely and and you didn't mention it but you also keep in mind like you're giving away a lot of this money to local running you know Rochester Mm -hmm. running company or you're doing a lot to help the the trail community i know you give a lot of money to the finger lakes trail so even even if you're looking at the finances and it looks like, oh, hey, this race made X amount of money, you're not ending up with any of that or money. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, as to date, for many on the Jenny alone, has given $13,000 almost to the Finger Lakes Trail. Yeah. Um, and Trails Rock in general, I mean, not I can't. the hours of trail work. Yeah, and... I couldn't even tell you the number. I, I could tell you the number. I don't know it off the top of yeah. my head. Um, I know just to the three local stores um, in the area, 
we've given away, you know, $25,000 since COVID started yeah. to support the three local stores. So it was kind of splitting a little bit between them. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not enough to pay our mortgage, I guess. No, not really. <laughs> That's what you have so, a day job for. Yeah. I'm wondering if we should roll Quinn out of here since he's crying. Yeah, okay. So, um, so let's talk about this, though. Um, we talked a little bit about a bucket list and then local favorites. So, um, you know, I have one list, um, one race, just really one on my bucket list. I really want to run the Dipsy. Um, it's almost impossible to get into mm-hmm. um, because it's a mail-in thing on a certain day. So the, the application has to get into the local post office. Um, so there would be no way for me to mail it and get it to the local post office before somebody that lives out there just can hand deliver it to the local post gotcha. office. Um, but it's my bucket list race. It sounds so fun. It's just a whole, almost downhill all the way. It, it's really cool. So, um, and now they've turned it into an ultra that you go down, up, down, up, or the reverse. So okay. you get you twice in each direction. But I just want to run the regular Dipsy and they rank runners, which is really cool. So like one year, like an eight year old girl won the race and another year, um, like a 62 year old man because you start your race based on your ranking yeah and so the elite runners are chasing people so you it finishes on on stinson beach and you could have like literally a professional athlete chasing down like a nine-year-old boy like trying to get to the finish line that's cool Um, and then you get your your bibs are like where you are in the starting order which is really neat so this is a really unique event it's on a beautiful trail it kind of runs through a neighborhood and everything it's really cool um, so I'm really, that's my bucket list. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it, but I want to. So how about you? No, that's, that's, <laughs> mine, mine's a little more uh, straightforward and simple. So I, I still have yet to do money. Never done money. And yeah. every time I see Mort, he's asking when I'm going to do it. So this is hopefully going to be the year that I do money. But uh, I, I obviously at some point would like to do some of the bigger ultras. But I, I, the days might be gone of the 100 milers or 100 plus milers. You think so, yeah? I, I think so. With everything that's gone on in the last few years, it's just, yeah. I'm just happy to be running. And uh I'll take what I can get, I guess. Yeah. So Muddy Sneaker is like on my top five. I, I love that race. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the kickoff to the local trail running season because of where it falls every year. It's in this beautiful region through like the high tour wilderness area. And it has a little bit of everything. So you've got some single tracks, some Jeep roads. Um, you have massive climbs. Like they, they call the last climb the demoralizer. Mm-hmm. And you cross this creek. And then it's like just a mile of just you're going uphill. And eventually you can see the finish line, but you're just going up and yeah. up and up. And and you can see everybody behind you. You can see everybody in front of you. And like you could push and push and push. And you seem like you're not making up any progress on the people in front of you. And you're just like, don't get caught by the person behind me. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool finish. So And then it's got that like absolute like grassroots vibe at the finish line. Like you, you cross the finish line. You get a Nalgene bottle filled with cold water, and then there's like door prizes. There's you know pizza or soup or whatever they've got going on that year, and they've got people serving it from under tents, and we all just hang out in this like tall, weedy grass field, and, yeah. and just hang out and cheer for each other. It's really cool. Oh, that's, yeah, so, it sounds awesome. Definitely sounds like a good time. Yeah. So you got to get yourself there this year. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. It, the, the registration's always open. Like I know I can't remember if it was last year, but I know more. It, it opens at like a weird time. It does, yeah, because they wanted to make sure everybody had an opportunity instead of doing it like a midnight or like yeah, so yeah, like kind of middle of the day type thing. Yeah. So, it's an awesome race though. So highly recommend it. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's got yeah. some. It's had some big big time winners too. You look at who's got course records and things there. It's, yeah, it's it's a cool race. I mean, um, there's a reason a lot of people come out to it. So. Um, 
So what about like favorite local events that, that you've participated in? So not just because you're here, but uh, many is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I like the distance. It's it's long, but it's not it's not the whole day, right? Uh, and I about <laughs> oh I should clarify that it is it is the whole day, but it's it doesn't take a lot logistically to be able to get down there and be able to run it. Yeah. Whereas um, so if you're doing a hundred mile or even like a, a destination ultra, there's just yeah. so much more that goes into it. And I'm very, I'm not a great planner. That's why I'm married. <laughs> she, she does the planning. So for these things, it's just nice to be able to, to sign up and then kind of show up and, and race. Yeah. So uh, the course is beautiful. The park's awesome. I like the direction you're running into on uh, the feel and the vibe. Everybody that's there is there to support each other, which I really like. It's, it's competitive, and but at the same time, everybody is just happy for everybody else to be able to accomplish yeah. that. It's um and once we made it a full loop because it used to be kind of point to point yeah and we 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 looped the end the northern point of the park there we kind of connected it um and that made the logistics even easier right you just show up at the start line yep and when you finish 45 miles later there's your car there's food there's drinks there's a pavilion there's like a, a big field to hang out in with seating and tents and yeah yeah it's really um it's cool I obviously I'm partial to it but yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's only, we only did it just this year, but for me, it instantly became my favorite race was the many light having run half of that course kind of in reverse. I think what it did is it, it made it accessible to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but also like we planned it on like the peak foliage weeks uh, down in Letchworth, which is bright reds and oranges and yellows in the trees. And you've got like fog coming up through the canyons because it's October, so you have that like the water's still a little bit warmer than the air sometimes, and maybe you get a balloon launch going through the park. Yeah. And um, the finish line is great because there's this huge pavilion attached to a lodge with indoor bathrooms, and um, it just seems like many on the journey might be too much for some people, but many light can be a, a really nice goal for people that are like, I want to participate in that, but I'll never be able to do 45. Right. So this opens it up for people. And it's cool because it has like four or five different like ecosystems, right? You, you run down like a, there's a little bit of gravel road. There's single track through like hardwood forest. Mm-hmm. There's like the fern goalie zone that's yeah. down like in the down in the valley. And then you have this like pine wood forest that you run through with all the pine needles and the soft ground. That's my favorite. Yeah. And then it like opens up to just like traditional single track through like a forest and then an open finish line so we can see everybody coming so we know who's coming down the finish line yeah for 20 miles you do get to pack a lot in yeah and that distance is, and is a pretty good all distance. of the overlooks right you get yeah. like 16 overlooks into the gorge with all that fall foliage for sure so yeah that's i think that's gonna be a very popular race going forward it, yeah. i know i heard really good feedback um it is definitely a good race yeah so, any other uh, bucket lists before we take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about what it means to be a local elite? I would uh, maybe someday like to do Western States. Western we'll see. States. Um, just because it's, you know, it's, it's just like with with road marathons. I know everybody wants eventually to do Boston. So, yeah. it's just one to do the experience. Um, and then I think it'd be one and done because I don't think it's something you need to go back to. Just to, yeah. Just so, you'll need to, you need to get a couple qualifiers in yeah, there. Yeah. My chance so. was with Twisted, I think, yeah. uh, a couple years ago when I ran Twisted. And, uh, yeah, then some stuff happens. So. Got to get that lottery ticket in. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about some of that stuff when we get back. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll we'll hit up um, a little bit of what it takes to to run at the level that we run at. All right. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. We're back from break, and unfortunately, it looks like we have lost Sheila, Freya, and the babies. Um, the timing didn't work. They were hungry. <laughs> and hungry babies are loud babies so out of the room they went 
and they're getting some food. But Phil and I will carry on. So, um, Phil, I wanted to, to get into this, like, local elite and, and kind of what I mean by that, right? And we, we talked about it a little bit off the, the, the beginning there that you, you have really won a ton of these events. Um, you, you've won many of the Jenny. Um, you've won a lot of races locally. Zero SPF, obviously, that first year. Um, and the very least, you're competitive in them. So it kind of I wanted to talk a little bit about like what does it take to be at the level that you're at like how did you get there did were you like right off the bat your first 5k right up front or did you have to work for it was it natural like how tell me about your running and your training definitely had to work for it but it was like anybody that's new to running the 5k's I just did the 5k's for a while and it was just that progression and it was the first 5k would whatever it was you know 20 40 or something like that but then you take 40 seconds off each time or 30 seconds and it's that marginal benefit so i started seeing a lot from the, the effort i was putting in right away and that was a huge motivator for me and i, I think everybody's good at something and i'm not saying i'm, I'm just not <laughs> saying i'm good at running that's that's not where this is going i'll but, say it <laughs> um i'm just fortunate that for the what i put into it i get a lot out if that makes sense sure so i i used to weight lift before that and i liked doing it a lot and i would work really hard at it but then i just my frame is only meant for so much right so <laughs> when i started running it seemed like it, that was what was natural for me it felt, felt normal and i was having good results in the 5k so then it was just that progression up from there the 10k then the half and then eventually a full so for for me i didn't start having success in terms of like overall until i started doing the trails and I don't know if it's a combination of it's it's usually smaller fields on the trails. It's a different dynamic, but there's also that grit component. That I'm not saying that road races don't have that, but it's not to the same extent. Right. So it's that's what I like about the trails. It's more dynamic. There's more tactical. Um, you, you can push the downhills and, and maybe gain time there. So even if you're not the fastest runner, you can still do really well. Or like when we're like if you're racing in Letchworth, which is a, a park that you work in, and you're you're all over those trails all yeah. the time, you might know exactly the right spot on a climb. Like, do I is this climb too much to push right now, or is this the place where I think I can pull ahead? Yeah, so. yeah, it's a very good analogy. I, I actually I employed that at uh, many the many light this year with the guy I was running with, uh, Nate Coos, a, a great athlete, definitely better athlete than I am. But he and I agreed uh, early on we were just kind of run together for a while and then maybe dueled out at the end. And I knew that coming up 17 was probably the hardest climb on yep. that whole course. And he might not have had the same knowledge. Even though he did many on the Jenny, it's it's in reverse, yep. right? And like <laughs> I know exactly where that is. So when we're down in 15 and down below on those flat sections by the gorge, I know, okay, this is going to get really hard soon. So um, he had... We had agreed that if we were going to stop for a bathroom break or whatever, we were going to stop together, but he ended up taking a little bit longer. So I just I just ran easy for a little bit, waiting for him to catch up. And then when I hit the bottom of 17 and didn't see him, I figured that's that was the last hard push. Right. So I knew I knew how long it was because I've done it, and that I was able to get some time there. And just with trails, too, if you get out of sight, you have a huge advantage, whereas on the road, you don't usually have that. So if you're yeah. you 20 seconds It's ahead, actually hard to get out of sight on the road because – the right. roads <laughs> right exactly or if it's like an out and back and you yeah. see everybody coming back so yeah so i yep i definitely know the trails there so that's a huge advantage to me i, I seem to do okay on the trails even though i run them in road shoes which i just kind of run with whatever i'm comfortable running with normally and that's yeah. what i do so i swear you know this isn't to say don't buy from your local running shop but i think that almost all of the trails around here you can get by with road shoes and i think almost all the trails almost anywhere like i'd say not like the adirondacks 
Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you can really get by on our trails. Like I wear like a hybrid, like Reebok hybrid thing. And um, I've never felt like, oh, I don't have enough shoe here. Like sometimes I see people with these like big, huge, grippy shoes. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's a huge benefit because we've got, you know, rocks and roots and like you're sort of picking your way across anyway. So it's not so much your tread that's helping you. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I have a weird theory on that, too. Like it's I, I road shoe. When you think about how much contact area and surface area you have, yeah. it's, it's a lot. So. I don't know, and there are times when it, when it's not slick. I think it's advantageous to have that additional surface area, and then you don't have those lugs. You can really feel them on the road. Just when you hit those road sections on whatever, and, and you you have the lugs on the, the trail shoes, it definitely right. seems to slow you down. But it's a preference thing. Yeah, so there you have it. If you want to run as fast as Phil, wear your road shoes on the trails. <laughs> whatever you're comfortable in. So, but what is it? You know, training wise, what does that look like for you? How how often are you getting off or running? Are you cross training? What does it look like? Cross training is big for me, um, mostly for that mental break. I enjoy running, but I, I, I've done those weeks where you have you run five or six or seven days in a week, and it's just I get bored of it after a little while. I like to keep it fresh and mix it up. And I, I it's weird if you think about weightlifters. If if you went to the gym every day and you just bench pressed, people would say you're an idiot, right? That's you yeah. never work the same muscle group every day. Right. So I don't know why it's so different in running. It seems like a foreign concept when I tell tell it to people like take a day off or take two days off in between and maybe cross train. Right. So again, I'm not. So what do you like to you you like to ride? What do you like to do? So, uh, figure skating. What are you doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, riding is a big one. I like I like I've always liked riding. Big on the bike. Uh, definitely not as strong on the bike, but it's it's nice to be able to to do something different. And then I I do swim a little bit here and there. So yeah. naturally inclined towards the triathlons. Hate swimming though, so I haven't done more than <laughs> the tries. But I did a few tries this year. Just yeah, to, to make we swam fun. a couple times together. Yep. So yeah, so yeah, definitely a big, big proponent of that. It's nice to have the break mentally and physically. Yeah, I'm a, a huge fan of the open water swims. Um, swimming in general, it's just so good. It's like a total body workout, and you get like, you get this great cardio workout without any impact anywhere. Yeah. And um, there's something also about like the pressure on when you're in the water it's like sort of forcing out old lactic acid and everything feels good it does you feel really good and when i'm done running i usually am like shuffling around but when you're done yeah. swimming you always feel limber yeah. and loose and good are you a pee in the wetsuit guy or no uh i will pee in the wetsuit i have no shame on that i have dry suit for swift water rescues at work don't pee in the dry suit. don't pee in the dry i'll give you that advice yeah <laughs> yeah then you're just peeing on yourself that's just peeing on your feet <laughs> so um so recently well not recently it was a little while back you you got a had a pretty serious injury like right now you're you're standing because the the wooden chairs that were sitting were probably bothering you yeah um so you got hurt but you've sort of come back from it so tell me what what was your injury that you had to deal with and and how did you overcome it because a lot of us go through injuries and feel like when we come back we're like oh i can't do that thing anymore because i got hurt so what's your mindset like there yeah so it's is occupied a lot of my mental space for the last couple of years so i'll just break it down quick I, I got hurt at work i was doing a body recovery down in the gorge did you have aflac <laughs> no unfortunately not <laughs> so i was down there doing my, doing my thing and um, anytime you're dealing with something like that especially something traumatic you just you like compartmentalize everything and you just need to get the job done especially for the family's sake and so you don't even you don't think about it but then su- subsequent days i started feeling some issues definitely there's a difference between being sore and having an injury and i think that's one thing that athletes recognize right away and i knew something was going on <clears throat> i started having like a lot of pain and pressure started losing feeling lost feeling in my foot and then started having all sorts of muscle spasms in my legs and eventually lost use of like a half of my leg my calf and stuff got atrophied but long story short 
I ruptured a disc, my L5-S1, and then I had a significant fissure in another, and then I herniated a third. So all three right in a row that right at the lower fun. part of the spine. It was, it was miserable, but it was – having gone through it now and knowing what I know, I would have approached it differently. But there's things – first off, I didn't know that not feeling your foot could be a back issue. So I never equated the two. So I just thought it was like I would I would not have feeling, and I thought like oh maybe my shoes are too tight right. or something's going on, and then I got to the point where I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't I couldn't physically stand for more than thirty seconds or so at a time, and I didn't realize. But sitting was aggravating all that because when you sit, your right. your spine gets into a compressing uh, a little bit. Exactly. It it opens that space and allows those discs to push out further. So like standing was actually more beneficial or laying down flat, which is... Yeah, didn't you have to take the back seat out of the minivan for a little <laughs> while there and your wife would drive you around? Yeah, I wasn't going to... Yes, I was, it was... <laughs> he wants to downplay this injury, but you, you were having a hard time even moving around at all. Yeah, for months I had to have somebody... I couldn't physically sit and I couldn't drive... Um, so I had either my, my mom come over and drive my van and I took, I did, I took the back seats out and I put a piece of plywood down so I could put blankets on it and I would lay and five times a week, they'd be taking me to different appointments. Um, and I remember it was really liberating because I mentioned I couldn't stand, so I couldn't walk. I got to the point where I could walk like a hundred feet to the end of the driveway continuously without having to like stop or lay down. And that was like a little... That was a little thing, you know, a little accomplishment. So I'm, I'm very regimented, and, like, I like to have things that I can look to f- for um, inspiration. And for me, it was I got to the point where I could go a little further, and then I could walk, like, a half mile, and then I was on the treadmill. Every night I would walk for as far as I could go, basically, until the body shut down. So what, what was it like mentally, though? I, I've been through a million surgeries, but yeah. what, what was it like mentally for you to say, here you are, that you have a job that you're repelling ropes into a gorge to, like, help people like you've recovered a dog out of the gorge once yeah like um maybe more than once and then you're, you're running these races you're winning um you're you're open water swimming you're riding a bike you're you're taking your kids on adventures and throwing your kids up in the air and you know wrestling on the ground and all of a sudden mom needs to drive you to an appointment uh while you're flat on your back what was going through your head i was uh, it's emotional it's, it's sad it was it's de- depressing i hate to throw that word out there because people we deal with real things and like I'm not dealing with a terminal illness, so I try to keep perspective. But it was, it was really, it was really upsetting. It was really frustrating. Yeah. You had that moment where you're like, I'm never gonna run again. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't even think I'd be able to walk normally again. I really like going to the Adirondacks and hiking. I thought all of that was gone. Yeah. Um. So it was really, it was really defeating, and then you get into this spiral mentally where, then you don't want to do anything, and right. then that, that's the worst thing you can do, right? Is just sit around and feel bad for yourself. I've, ne- I've, I haven't found myself in a lot of situations where I can't just work harder and get through it. But that was one, regardless of, there's no, I couldn't physically push harder. Yeah, there's like nothing it. you could do. You had to wait. I had to wait. Just yeah. had to like wait it out. And we talked about surgery as an option. I wait, I talked to a lot of people that had different types of back surgeries, fusion, microdisectomies, yeah. things like that. Um, and I haven't heard a lot of good outcomes. And I'm not saying that that's not possible, but it's still something I'm actually looking at. I just went to the doctors last week and we're still talking about maybe doing it because I'm having a lot of residual issues. But I don't know. I'm 37 and... There's no going back from a surgery, and that's the way I look at it. The right. body's pretty amazing; it can heal from things. So hopefully, it can heal from this. But I might have waited too long. I, I have things that don't work right anymore. <laughs> you know. I, yeah. yeah. So I I wanted to talk a little bit about um, sort of the pressure and anxiety of being one of the runners that that people expect you to win. Um, and did that pressure and anxiety change after the injury as a 
to what it was like before. So like touch on like what that feeling might've been like, where people are like, Oh, Phil's going to win. Phil's going to win. And you're, you're just stepping to the starting line to race. And, and all these people are thinking you're going to win. And then this, in, and you, sometimes you did, sometimes you didn't, but what did that feel like? Then this injury happens. And then what did it feel like after? Yeah, that's definitely a great question. So the pressure from other people is, is, is intense when you, there's like, you set that bar and then there's that expectation that you'll always be able to clear it. Um, and I put a lot, I'm very critical of myself. So, before the injury, I, I had gotten accustomed to, I always wanted to at least do my best. I didn't care if I, I really don't care if I win. I just want to do my best. I never want to finish and feel like I had more to give. But once I had the injury and knew that those things probably weren't going to be possible again, at least to that extent, I came back with a different appreciation for it all. And I changed my goals. It was not, I want to go and win this. I still want to do my best, whatever that is. But I want to just be able to participate and be part of that community. And it's so I've come to be so appreciative of everybody that does this trail racing, everybody that puts the races on. So it's like a family. So not being able yeah. to see them for a while was was really yeah. You, well, you know from injuries, you get into a really bad yeah, headspace. I had Clem was on two weeks ago to talk about his fundraiser run that's coming up, and um, I, you know I call a lot of folks like adult onset runners. Yeah. And uh, Clem is is a runner that relatively new to the scene. That um, for me, he wouldn't even know me as a runner. Right, like because I've been hurt for so long yeah. that he has joined the scene, done the 5K, 10K marathon, ultra growth, and, and that whole time I haven't been running with them. Yeah. Um. So I'm just like the guy at the start line, the finish line, right? So I I get that though, like the appreciation, like I want to have a long day with my friends in the mountains, right? Like we've got the boys now, I want to put them in a backpack and just go for the whole day in the woods and not have to think about what hurts and what do I need to do to get through it, and so my appreciation changed for it too. Like I had, and I almost think this is beneficial to me. I, I used to think I'm going to get back to who I was, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to win races. I'm going to set records. I'm going to do all these things. And I would get, I would get really upset that my running wasn't what I wanted it to be. And then these injuries happened. And I was like, I'm going to come back from you know the first one, right? I'll be even better. And yeah. then just over and over and over. And now I'm like, I just want to be out there with friends. And when I can get out there with friends, I appreciate it so much more. Yeah. There's no no more pressure. Yeah, and it's in in a way it's it's almost liberating because you don't you don't have those expectations on yourself. There's yeah. no pressure, so it's nice just to be able to do those things. But yeah, it's it, when you when you've been active and then you lose the ability to do that stuff, you you know it's almost is it better that if you would have never started in the to begin with because now you know what you're missing. Right. I always I do think that there's I don't know. Have you um have you done a big race where you were not the favorites like where people didn't really know you and you're going to run maybe off the front pack you, you know you have no chance um to run with those lead runners have you done that and how did that feel as opposed to running like you know many light yeah I, that's happened quite a bit and, and especially more so on the road and like the my mom and dad bless them like they in their innocence what they they usually are like oh you know how'd your race go and hopefully i can be like oh I, you know it was top three or whatever but then I go and do a race like Boston, and I'm, they're like, how'd you do? And I'm like, I made the top 500. And they're like, well, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I was like, no, it really, really you is. Suck. There's like 25,000 people. Like it's, in, for me, it was really good, yeah. But pe- people that don't know any better, they ask, and they think like, oh, like when, when I tell them I'm going to go to Boston, for example, they're like, are you going to win? I said, I, w- I wish. I yeah. wish I could win, but it's, That's, it's a totally um, different class. Elementary school students, it's the best because when I, I had a race this weekend, did you win? And they're like, no. They're like, you stink. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, there's no filter. That's like, that's good honesty. Like, yeah. yeah, you know. 
in a, in a way we all there's always a bigger fish i know you mentioned you want to talk about this there's like yeah. always somebody bigger and it's good to have that perspective because regardless of how well you're doing in whatever pond you're in it's just good to remember that first it's not really about who's the best it's just about being able to be out there and you should never diminish somebody else's accomplishments because of that yeah and you've been you've been at this trail thing let alone all the road stuff for you know 10 12 years at least <clears throat> Um, so like you said earlier, you're 37 now. There's some younger guys and, and ladies showing up on the scene that are fast. Yeah. Um, there's a whole new concept of like they just ru- you run fast from the go, right? Like there there's a bunch of research into it, but a lot of these younger runners are taking that. Like so, like take um, Parker Weeks who won and set the course record for many on the journey, and then just came back and won many light. It's like you know, he went out the first mile at Many Light. He ran like 512. Mm-hmm. You know, just like blasted the first mile. And he was gone from there, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess that's the thing. Like, there's always a bigger fish. And, like, if he were to step into a different role, he would feel that same thing from somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at some point, obviously, there's people on the top. Yeah. Um, and we know who those, those folks are. But in general, the term there's always a bigger fish is true. And even those folks on the top, if they want to do something outside of their discipline, somebody would be better than them, sure. right? So, like, if you take, you know, somebody that was great at everything, like a Killian, yeah. like, he could run an incredible fast track mile, he could run a vertical kilometer, he could run a 100-mile race. But for the most part, you're if you step into that other world, even within just the trail world, someone's going to smoke you, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, even if you're the best. Yeah. So it's really unique. So um, I guess that's another question. Like, how long do you think you can keep it up? Like, you've had this injury – You've got two daughters that are very active and starting to get involved with their own activities in life. Like, how long do you think you can keep it up? What's what's your goals and your plans on that? Uh, I live vicariously through them. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to introduce them to those things, but not push them too hard. I talked to uh, Eric Krim quite a bit about this. And he's his kids are at a point now where they're very independent. You know, they're achieving a lot. And it's because he's provided the opportunities and given them a taste for all these things that are out there. And that's kind of what I look to do. I don't want them to do anything they don't want to do, but I want them to know what's out there. I was never introduced to it, to it as a kid, um, especially if there's a lot of sports that are, just have a high barrier to entry, like road biking. Yeah. Well, you took Freya on a, a pretty long um, bikepacking trip this summer, right? Yeah, we did about 30 miles from on the Greenway Trail from Caledonia down to Letchworth, and we camped for the night. And, and how, how old was she? She was doing this 30-mile bike ride. She's seven years old. Seven. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I put the bike trail on my bike and put all our camping gear on. And she was super excited. Like, we put we wore matching bike jerseys. Yep. And we packed all our stuff in the morning. And she had, like, she's really organized. So she made a list the night before. You know, bring the compass, bring all these things. And, the compass. Yeah. <laughs> she knows dad. Yeah. <laughs> so we got down there, and then we unpacked, set up the tent. And then we, like, went and hiked around, went to the playground, did s'mores. It was just, like, of all the experiences I've had, that's one of my favorites. I have, I just really cherish yeah. those opportunities. So that's, in terms of longevity, that's probably what I'll transition into is more stuff with them or, uh, you know, enabling them to do things. Yeah, I like that in the, the sense of adventure, right? Mm-hmm. So like, like you had said, I just want to be able to do blank, and it's like to be able to go on a, a thirty-mile bike ride with your kid, and then camp and and hike around and eat s'mores under a campfire that night. Yeah. Like that is like an ultimate goal um and i can see like it it make that sort of thing makes people happy um but there's one thing that i wanted to touch on is this happiness with running so i you didn't hear the intro yet but the intro is you are always smiling 
at these events at the start at the finish line the top of a huge hill like i'll come by you you know and i'll be driving the truck by as you're kicking out of a section and kicking back in and you're like smiling yeah and um I, I went and, and looked into it um, because there's a couple other professional runners like Kipchoge is always doing this too. And people are like, why is he always smiling? There is research that was done on this and I'll, I'm going to put the link in the show notes that if you smile through the hard parts of your run, it's it will give you an average of 2.8% quicker time. I knew I must have known that. So if you think about these, like the super shoe that gives you like 3% improvement for $500, you can wear them twice. Just smile. All you got to do is smile. That's it. So, um, but what is it about, I mean, obviously you're enjoying yourself, but do you think about it in that sense that like, it's even when you're not feeling great, um, many on the journey this year, you had the lead of the turn, you had the lead quite a bit on the back stretch and then things kind of blew up a little bit and you yeah. crossed the finish line smiling and high-fiving people that came in front of you. Yeah. I, I, I just think it all goes back to perspective and the, 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 you can look at the world a bunch of different ways, uh, but time goes by either way. We're all marching towards the same end. So you can either be go every day that you waste being miserable is one fewer days you have to be happy if that yeah. makes sense. So I just kind of, I always keep that in the back of my mind and I know a lot of people that can't do some of these things, can't yeah. run, um, my really good friend's disabled and is able to, unable to run. So I just have a huge appreciation for all of it. And being able being able to suffer is a luxury, right? Like if yeah. you're out there running and hurting. Because you, you want to. Because <laughs> you want to. That's a luxury. So you should be happy to do that. And so I just – what's not to like about it? You, there's, a, there's an old saying about snow is like you can be happy and enjoy the snow or you can be miserable and be mad at the snow, but either way, the snow is going to be there. Yeah, that's basically that's it. That's it. That's the summary of life. Is, yeah, <laughs> you get and I get you get those runners highs. Those you get all your endorphins and I just especially trail running. We talked about this a little bit. I think off air is just it's so much more primal, and it's you feel so much more connected with nature. And when you're in the woods, if you're running a nine minute mile or whatever in the woods, you feel like you're flying because yeah, in proximity, you really do. Close, yeah. So it's just you're hopping really, and skipping and oh, yeah. it's awesome, chasing people down and, and or whatever whatever you're trying to do is everything about it is great. Even when you're suffering, it, it, it's it's there's nothing not to enjoy about it. So there and you, you, go. you chose to be there too. So well, we chose to be here today talking about it. So we're gonna leave it with even when you're suffering, you can smile through it. Exactly. <laughs> so hey, thanks so much for being with us. We're gonna wrap it up here. Um, next episode, Sheila and I are gonna be doing a little bit. Um, talking a little bit about what it means to be a um, local organization. There's a whole bunch of drama going on with UTMB right now, what they've done um, to some small scale events. And um, we're going to talk about what that means here and what some of our concerns are and how we as runners can sort of protect ourselves from the future of corporations taking over the sport. (laughs) So, so thanks so much, Phil, for joining us. And until next time, that's it. Thank you. Adios. Sounds Thank you.